Trusting with Carrie Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. This week's guest first picked up a fly rod just six years ago, and she is now an accomplished salmon fly angler. Although from Durham, she regularly travels across the border to fish the Tweed and the Tay in Scotland in search of a quarry. Even though she does fish for trout and grayling also, it's easy to tell just by listening to our chat. Her passion lies with salmon. She is already caught a couple of springfish this month and recently passed the coaching level 2 with the Angling Trust. I'm also really pleased to have her on board to a team of contributors at the Fly Fishing Journal. Welcome to my chat with Lucinda Ewing. i got to start by saying you've had a hell of a start the season, haven't you? Oh, brilliant. Definitely. <laughs> Dad putting on the lottery on it's been that good, actually. <laughs> Have you actually been out this weekend? Um, no, I haven't been out this weekend, um, unfortunately. I've been doing quite a bit of studying, so I've just um, recently qualified for my Level 2 um, lead coaching, which is done by the Angle and Trust. All right. So yeah. I, start, I started my Level 1 just before COVID and then COVID hit and then I tried to get the level two completed last year. Then I come down with COVID and then we've recently had some snow. So we finally got it rearranged to Saturday and um, yeah, I passed that. So that's good stuff. What, what did that entail then level two? So your level two is kind of your lead coach. So you start with your angling trust, um, your level one, which is assistant coach. So, um, you can go along and help your coaches and things like that, support the team, help deliver the sessions and things like that. Um, and then you can kind of press, progress on your level two, oh, which nice. is then your lead coach. Um, so that means you can take sessions yourself, um, you manage your sessions, plan your sessions, um, just, just gives you a bit more coverage of what it is you can and can't do. Do you know what I mean? And to kind of encourage people who are now on level one to come and progress on to level two and stuff so yeah and, it's really good so and that's through the angling trust you said is it yeah the angling trust yeah it's a recognized um licensed coaches scheme that they do all right so. um so it's just it was just something else to get under my belt um i helped teach down at the northern fishing school um some weekends uh, mainly with beginners and things like that and i already had my level one but i wanted to get my level two so that i can kind of go on a little bit further and sort of broaden my horizons a little bit. Well, where do you want to take it then? you want to start doing some instruction or, or guiding? or? Um, no, it's just something I get enjoyment out of. And where, where I see myself at the moment is, obviously I get so much enjoyment out of fishing. And I'm so keen just to encourage other people into the sport, especially like women and children. I mean, I've got children yeah. myself. So I try to encourage, I just know the actual benefits from fishing, not just the fishing itself, how it's good for your health and things like that. Do they fish as well so, with the children? Yes, they do. My eldest one, he's he's really getting into it now. So he just started off with a little spin and rod and off he took himself for brown trout. And now he's, um, I think he's had three salmon on the fly now. So he got... <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, hell. he's doing all right. He's doing pretty good. 
So, and um, yeah, just a good way to spend time together as a family as well, where we're not all just sat around televisions yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been down to Wales? I have actually. I spent, well, we spent the last four summers with family down in a place. I call it Dolagaloo, but it's pronounced Dol. Guess why? <laughs> <laughs> Dolagaloo, like that. yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what we call it. The kids call it Dolagaloo, but I have learned to this dog why. <laughs> up in North Wales, yeah. There's good salmon fishing up so, there and sea trout, actually. Yeah, well, I didn't realise that. And um, one of the guys I know who's done it. <laughs> Tickle me, I don't know. Dolagaloo. Um, do you know what? I should know better as well because when I was a child, my dad worked in North Wales. So I spent a lot of time down kind of a zip swelly and places like that. And, oh, yeah. And Porth Madder. Yeah, so I, I did get to know the names of places, but um, is it Rob Redman who's doing, a, doing an article for you in your next magazine? He actually yeah. fishes that river where we're on holiday, and I was like, right, you're going to have to take me out to sea trout. I fished with him last year. In um, well, There's two rivers there in Dolgetla. There's one called the, the Winion, and yeah, there's the Mouthach. And uh, we went out yes, sea, sea trout fishing yeah. at night, we did. And, uh, and did you get one? I lost one the first night, probably about four pounds. And uh, it was pitch black, and then I brought it into the side, and I got a habit. Then I just I do like to see the fish, so I put the torch on. A lot of people don't like to put torches on when you see trout fishing, and as soon as I put it on, he came into the net and he came off as he inches from the net. I've done a bit of I've done a bit of night fishing for the sea trout. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. So the the river Weir, that's a really good sea trout river, and I'm only like ten minutes away from it in Durham, All right. and. I've put, I had one season where I put a lot of time into it and I was getting, I, I got fish, I think I got three, three fish one year and it was um, like on black and red tubes, but always, always finding work in them. And um, last year I was trying to fish, you know, like smaller flies. Now I think, is it, is it called the Peter Ross fly? Yeah, the yeah. Peter Ross? Yeah, Peter Ross. Yeah. yeah. So they said, fish one of them. And I went out one night and I tried that and I just, I just kept catching little, like I just kept catching brown trout all night. So I found it frustrating, and then it just got so warm and the conditions so rubbish. I kind of thought, oh, I'm not going out till three o'clock in the morning. Um, knowing I've got to be up at work and the conditions not great, so I kind of was a bit half-hearted last year. But I, I am going to try weekday. It's a killer. I I don't do so much of it now. I went for about three or four years. I was well into it, and then you know you fish till like I said, two o'clock, three o'clock sometimes. And then you get up to go to work then at like seven and throughout the day then, come like three or four o'clock, you're hanging. You just can't do it. Yeah, but, it's hard, isn't it? And that's, yeah. that's another reason. that it, It's for the hardcore, definitely. <laughs> but the good thing is, I think people, I got luckily for me, I got friends who they still, they, they're massively into it. And I get the nod. So they say, oh, there's fishing, you know, you don't want to come tomorrow or come tonight. And it's great then, and you have some sport. I like what you said there as well, like when you get the call um, to say there's fish coming through. And it, yeah. it, it, it is funny in the fishing world, isn't it? And how quickly <laughs> word spreads about when spreads when fish turn up somewhere. So it's like you'll get a call and go, there's fish here. There's fish here. You've got yeah. to come. Drop and come. Drop and come. Yeah. I can't drop and come. It's Monday. <laughs> so, you, so you put your gin down in the nightclub and you just go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then, um, but like, it, it, I think it's nice to hear as well when you hear, especially going back to the salmon fishing and you hear of a pod. I've seen it where I've been on beats before and I've watched a pod of fish come through 
and I've watched somebody downstream hook into a fish yeah. and then nothing. And then a bit about 15 minutes later, I've hooked into a fish and then I've gone on the, on the, on the fish catchers later on and seen where other people have caught fish and it's like, that was definitely a pod coming through there. Do you know what I mean? And they do, they'll come through and then they'll hold up in a beat. So I'm a yeah. big, like, it, it's, I love to see that. And I love to hear it when you get the and they'll go, oh, we've got fish here at the minute. It's yeah. brilliant. And it's lovely. I, I tell you, there's nothing quite like it. When you get to a spot and you just look over the edge of a bridge and you see them just lying there in the current. You yeah. Know? And you just wait. Yeah, in there. lovely. I've seen yeah. that. And you just, uh, I remember once, um, I was fishing a river in Iceland and the Tunga float. And we were fishing for sea trout, we were. And uh, this guide was with me. And then we got to this road bridge, this wide, really super wide river. And then we literally went on our hands and knees. And he said, right, look over the edge now. And there was this fish, about four pound sea, sea trout, yeah. And I thought, oh, brilliant. Yeah. And he said, no, no, hang on, we won't fish them yet. We'll go to the other side of the bridge. Well, on the other side of the bridge, and there was a salmon there then, a big salmon, well, I say big, it's about 15 pound. And, yeah, that's uh, big. Yeah, and uh, so what I did then, he said, right, you go upstream, which I did when I spooked the four pounder then, because he see me come in, he went. And then I was using him as my eyes. So he had his head over the edge of the bridge looking for this salmon, and I was upstream then, and then I was casting, and he said, right, it's coming round, it's coming round, it's coming round, and he was telling me, Right, he's coming for it. Strike. And I lifted, and he goes, oh, no, I went too soon. I thought, we well, should have said strike. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'd done it the second time, and it, I had it. I had the salmon then. And, oh, uh, good and he, going. He, the good good thing was, right, that this was years ago, and he filmed it, and I gave him the camera, and he filmed it, and with the fly coming around, and he come up, and he took, and he, the whole thing was filmed, him playing it, me playing it, rather. And but I was. Uh, oh, have you got it on video? I have, yeah, yeah. The whole. You'll lot. have to send me it. Send yeah. me it over. And it was um, fourteen pound. It was, but it was a big cock salmon. But he had that the autumn colours. Yeah, big cape great. on him. Yeah, massive yeah. cape. Oh, brilliant! I've had that once before where I've been fishing, and I've had like a gilly up on the bank, and you could see them. You just put your polaroids on, and there was like four or five salmon laid in this stone. He was like, "Right, go down. You're getting to them now," and he was like. Well, that was your chance. You went for it then. You pulled your fly out too soon. But it, they were literally watching my fly swing round. And, you know, they, they, it was in the summer. It was a red hot day. And you just, it's weird. If they are not in the mood, they are not in the mood. Yeah. I've, I've like, when you've watched them, they're like, you just can't get a take out of them. Well, you've had a great start to this season. Is it two salmon you've had so far? Yeah. So um, usually in springtime, um, now I'm back at work full time. Last couple of years, I've had so much time on my hands to go and fish. And, for example, last year, I think it was about 120 hours I fished before I got my first collection with the salmon. And it's quite a lot of blanking time. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just so strange. I think this year I decided, um, right, I'm just going to try and stay a bit closer to home. So I thought, we'll go to the Tweed. We'll try that. And given the conditions we've had over the winter, it's been quite a mild winter, I think you'll agree on. Yeah, um, yeah. we haven't had the wettest of winter we haven't had no major floods and things like that so a lot of the fish that's come into the system have not really had the encouragement to push through with the low uh, water levels so luckily we were fishing low water beeps 
Um, and typically the beats that we fish and fish better in high water, you know, for flow on the pools that they have specifically. But also I think we've just had that little bit of um, extra help there with the water keeping the fish holding them back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've just, it, it, do you know what it is? It is just lucky. I mean, very lucky. I mean, I always say to myself, I always push myself to get one. I always want one spring fish a year. So I will really like push and push and push and then, I know last year it got to me and I started sweating and getting really hard on myself. And I was like, what's going on? I mean, and then you start calling, I can't fish. And then I'm questioning people, am I a bad fisherman? <laughs> yeah, but it, it didn't help last year, mind. We didn't have much water, did we? So maybe that had some... No, I, and do you know what it is as well? I think it's definitely right. What I, I've noticed as well with the spring fishing is my like advice to anybody, how I find it, and I, now I do take it on board, is you can't catch what isn't there. Exactly. And... Um, I think what we find as well now, obviously, everybody's aware of the decline in salmon stocks and stuff like that. Um, I mean, look at, I mean, for example, I'm I'm down in County Durham and I just look at it as if I was a spring fish, I wouldn't come into my river because um, our <laughs> gravel beds, <laughs> I wouldn't, our pools are filled in, they've all washed down and filled up with gravel. Do you know what I mean? There's no real holding spots for spring fish. And then you think if we had a dry summer like we had last year, yeah. You just you wouldn't come in to sit in water that's going to put you at risk with no oxygen and stuff like that. So I think the fish do hold off a bit, and like I say, there's just there's not as many returning. Um, but like I say, they, they start, the the positive news is that they are starting to show up now. I've just been watching social media and the fish catchers and things today, and you can just see they they starting to creep in now and in most rivers across Scotland. And one or two across England as well. So, so you, you're from yeah. Durham. How far is the Tweed from where you um, are? Where I fish, I'm an hour and a half from. So it's oh. what our class is like, doable in a day. So I can yeah. just get up, drive up and fish and head back on an evening. Um, I do tend to fish a lot further up in Scotland. I spend a lot of time on the tier, yeah. which I do like. But I find it's, it's such like... I think it's volume-wise in its water. It's one of the biggest with depths and things. It holds that much volume of water. Yeah. It's renowned for being one of the biggest ones, and I always think it always carries that extra challenge on the tier. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got much deeper water to go out. You've got some really wide bits of water to cast across as well. So I, I've always gone there, and I think the thing is with the tiers, well, you've always got that chance of a good fish, like a really big one. Yeah. And. But when we go to the tier, that's a three and a half hour drive. So that's when we start saying, oh, well, we've got a stopover and things like that. So it's just trying to balance it out. And I was like, well, actually, if we sacrifice the stopover, we can then input that into a bit more money on where we fish on the tweed and work it like that. So that's what we've done this year. And it, it has it's worked well. We've, I've been, like I say, really lucky. Um, I've many, only been able to fish on weekends. Yeah. How many times have you been this year then? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. Um, I have had five trips out, and in five trips, I've had two fish on separate occasions. Well, that's good. Which, really, is there? That to me, that like anybody who salmon fishes for spring fish, and in March, which is it's early for spring fish still, so it's it really is very good going. Um, I, I, it's my best season I've had so like since I've started fly fishing. So. Yeah, I, I've seen yeah. the pictures. They're really bright, clean fish as well, aren't they? Yeah. Do you know when I, when when you first start salmon fishing, you kind of think you just want to catch a salmon, and and yeah. then you get you get chatting to people and things like that, and then people go, "Oh, the spring salmon though," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm not bothered. The salmon's a salmon." And as I've progressed on now, and now the last few years, I mean, I've, I mean, I've, since I've started, I've been lucky enough 
to catch a spring salmon every year. Um, only this year I've never been as lucky to have two in March. And it's just the condition of them. They're just so pristine. They're just, the, the, the bodies on them, they're very streamlined. They've got these real pointy noses with a great big hump on the backs and they just yeah. they just really are in beautiful condition and then obviously you can get them with some sea lice on and then it just gives you that little bit of excitement you think oh wow that fish has only been in here a, a day maybe and yeah. I've managed to connect with them so it, it is exciting and I mean I still think um, summer fish are nice and there's back end fish I mean I, I think if you get um, a, a cock salmon and he's got his nice tartan colours on the big kite. I mean, I think I think they are still a beautiful looking creature yeah, then, yeah. but definitely the spring salmon are very special indeed. And I think because you know how hard they are to come across, it makes it that more rewarding when you do connect with one. Yeah, I think generally probably the rivers up there are the same as here. It's, you get less fish in the spring, but they tend to be the bigger ones. And it's yeah. nice when the plan comes together then, doesn't it? And I suppose when yeah, you've had very- a fish... You think like I wonder if, if it's come with a couple of others, and you're thinking then you're going to get more, you know? Yeah, it's kind of. I always say I'm not. I'm not a greedy fisherman, so I'm quite happy to go out and catch a fish. Like when I got, when I got my first one this year, I was like, first thing about it is your first fish. It's always pressure off, and um, I don't know about yourself, but I always kind of. I think everybody does. It's that first fish of the season to get that bit of pressure off. Yeah, and. I mean, I know you are out to enjoy your fishing, but deep down we all do want to catch a fish. And then once you've caught one, it's kind of like, oh, that's it now. I can kind of sit yeah. back and relax a bit and just enjoy it. So for a second one to come so soon after, I was like, this is madness. So how big were the ones you had? Um, well, I think on the tweed, the ones I've picked up on the tweed have always always been around the kind of like sort of seven to nine pound mark. Um I've never had anything like double figured off the tweed yet. Um, but on the tail last year, I had two. I think one was 12, one 14. And then the year before, I got oh. one about 12 on the finned horn. So they haven't been the biggest, but they've, bec- they've become definitely the most welcomed. What sort of flies were you for? Are there different techniques you would use at the start of the season? Yeah, obviously with the spring fishing, the water temperature is cold, but... I mean, it hasn't really, really been cold this year, has it? I mean, we're looking at the temperatures. Oh. I think we've only really had a couple of real good frosts. Um, so we kind of, I sort of sort of look at the temperature first and say where we are. I mean, if I am on a beat with a ghillie, I'm going to ask for the ghillie's advice. I mean, he knows that water, he knows the layers, he knows sort of what's fishing well at what height. Um, I mean, usually I'd be fishing kind of T10s and T14s in, in March time because it's usually that cold but I've literally this year been fishing kind of three inch per second four inch per second tips um, and then just putting sort of like a tungsten cone on and really? what I've done also with, with the water levels being low I haven't been putting big flies on either just kind of half inch yeah. tubes and stuff like that one inch tubes and I just the water's that clear up there as well um, I mean, the fish The fish are going to see the fly, so I think you don't need to go, it's the kind of rule is, isn't it, get down big, deep and dirty, and I don't think it necessarily has to be like that in the spring. I think you have to be reading the conditions. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, where I fish as well isn't really, really deep water, and I'm kind of got this theory going on in my head at the moment, and I'm, I'm trying to understand the salmon, I'm thinking. So if a fish comes in at spring and it's cold, is the fish going to swim along the bottom of the riverbed 
or is he going to fish at a certain height under the surface and stay at that consistent height? Does that make sense? You imagine yeah. a pool. So an area of your pool could go down to eight, nine foot. Is that fish going to sit down and go along the bottom of the gravel? So I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if you've listened to, um, there's a couple of podcasts I've had recently with a guy, John Graham, and uh, right. he fishes on the deck, and he will use yeah. the heavy lines, and then he'd only use 18 inches a leader, and then he'd fish, you know, almost like a booby-style lure. He's amongst the fish, and he, you know, he's in, in, in the Towie in southwest Wales. He's probably had more salmon than anyone else, you know. yeah. But it's a very successful method. I know quite a few people who do fish that, especially even in the summertime. They just constantly, it's kind of, if you, I mean, people say you don't catch running fish, but I disagree. I think you can catch running fish. So if a fish is running, is this fish running along the bottom of the river and is he going deep into the pool and then coming up and then down into a big gully and then back up? Or is this running fish constantly swimming up at a nice sort of steady height, yeah. sort of a couple of foot under the surface? And that's, that's what you've got to be like. That's what I'm always thinking of as well. So this sort of water I'm fishing, it's not far from tidal water. My chances are this fish is going to be running through that I'm going to be fishing for here. Yeah. I do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know if it's the same for salmon in the river so much, but I spend a lot of time in Ireland. And in the lochs there, when the salmon run up into the lochs, unless you can, when you're fishing on a boat, this is no, if you can't see the bottom, you won't catch a salmon. They're all really, yeah. They're all in six foot, eight foot maximum. Yeah, just come up, just come through the easiest part of the water. Why put themselves through sort of more yeah. challenging water when they can come up the easier route? And yeah, um, I mean, usually in the springtime as well, because we've got high waters and stuff like that. I would have been expecting to kind of get my fish pretty much near enough on the dangle where I'm kind of just a couple of metres in from the side, do you know what I mean? Because usually you've got your high water, so they'll come up the side of the river. But this year, again, with the water temperatures being low, um, the takes have come. I mean, even with the kelp, I'm taking them, like, right in the middle of the stream, do you know what I mean? They're what coming right up the middle because there's no challenge with the floor, yeah. Salmon it, fishing, I have all these theories, and I still don't know the answer. <laughs> sometimes it takes some motivation when it's wet and cold March time. You know, I went out today, yeah. I didn't actually fish, a few of the boys fished, and uh, do you know what, I can't get the motivation to fish, but and I, but I'm more of a, I like the start of the season, and it's fresh, and I don't fish the winter at all. Now, we noticed on your yeah. Facebook page, you've got a few fish, uh, you've got a few pictures of Graylin, do you do much of that in the winter? Yeah, well, um, yes I do, um, we've got quite good grayling rivers where we live and obviously the salmon season kind of finishes and I'm not massively into my trout and grayling. If I was to go out and obviously I've got a family and things so I'm a bit tired. I can't just fish when I want. It's kind of, I've got to allocate time to family and allocate fishing time which is really difficult. So I That's think where the children are going fishing then. <laughs> yeah, come on. We'll, go. well, it does happen a lot down the summer as well. We'll say, right, let's take the dogs for a walk down the river, eh? We'll have a lovely night and we'll have a barbecue. And we'll just carry a rod with us as well. But yeah, um, yeah in, in, over the winter time, I do, I do do, I mainly just do a bit of nymphing. Um, I mean, I do do a little, I mean, I've had one or two on the dry this year over the winter as well. Um, but it's just it's just something to pass that time until sort of salmon fishing seasons again. I'd rather be out fishing for something than nothing at all. I, you know, I know a lot of people who are into the double hand and the spay casting, they get just as much enjoyment casting as they do actually fishing. Do you find that? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's obviously um, another thing I've been studying for is I've started studying for my app guys um, nice. in double-handed spear casting because, like you say, it's, I do love the fish and do love being out catching fish, but there's just something so... I don't know whether it's, I don't know what they call it, elegant or interesting or just something so satisfying about yeah. being able to go to put a really good, I mean, I'm working on a spear line at the moment. I mean, not many people fish spear lines now. Everybody's kind of on shooting heads, but to go for my qualification, um, I'm working with like a 50 foot spear line and you've really, really got to get it right. But when you get your timings right, it just absolutely flies out. Minimum effort it is such a satisfying feeling when it does all right so that, i do know a lot of people yeah. who do it's like therapeutic isn't it i suppose it? definitely Plus as well so it's, you're not just learning about fishing you're learning about spear casting it's like to say it is an art in itself yeah so how did it all start for you then when was um, the first time you picked up the rod i picked up a rod <laughs> About six years ago, believe it or not, um, my partner fished a little bit, not much. Um, he was just into his spinning and stuff like that. He used to go spinning for salmon and stuff like that. He did a little bit of trout fishing at the still waters on a single-handed, but was never into it. And All right. He took me out one time and um, took me to a reservoir and did a bit of bait fishing, you know, with the maggots and split shot weights, getting them down. And I started off, that's how I caught my first fish. And I thought, oh, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of progressed onto the river and then I started catching little brown trout with little meps and things like that. So I was like, oh, this is good. And like, it was going a little bit further. And there was one day I was fishing and I was just with a little mep again for trout. And this next thing, I got this great big pull. And um, it was like, it was on the River Tees. I don't know if you know the Tees, if you like your trout trail no. and it's quite popular for it. Um, yeah. Not big fish, but you get them in large numbers. And it was this, 12 pound river tea salmon I'd hooked and it was just really unexpected and I was wow. like playing it on three pound line and I got it in I was like what on earth is this and <laughs> <laughs> so I was like come on we go to the pub so I can tell everybody about what I've caught oh that was it so kind of um, we're in the fishing club and um, I spent the first season just spinning for salmon and sea trout and then I seen somebody fly fishing one day and I just said what's that? <laughs> and my partner went, don't. He said, don't even bother. It's too hard. It's too complicated. Just leave it alone. And I'm like, no, no, I'm a typical woman. Like when somebody tells you, no, it's like, yeah, challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that, I seen somebody fishing one day and I thought I wanted to try it. And I booked a lesson and I got a lesson and I had a couple of single handed lessons and then went out and did a little bit of nymph and watched YouTube and, started catching just little smolts and things at first but it was like we've got to start somewhere haven't we when we Quite. start fishing so I think you really really enjoy it when you're trying a completely new method of fishing and then you start to get the return when you start to get a turkey fishing you think I'm getting it now I'm doing something right and then it kind of like oh I would like to catch a salmon on one of these and that's when obviously the double-handed side come into it yeah I went and had a lesson in spear casting and I've got to admit, I think it was the worst six months fishing of my life. I have never, ever, ever found casting double-handed spear, like spear cast. I've never found something as so frustrating all my life. Yeah. I think I did well to stick it out. It is so difficult. And you've just got to go out and just keep practicing. And keep, I mean, 
it's it's weird because it's even like trout fishing with shooting heads. You've got to have your line out before you cast it. Quite. And you're trying to flick a line over when you can barely do a cast properly. So I was literally fishing like just a rod tip, sorry, like a rod length of line when I first started. And I started the double-handed casting, I think it was in the May. And I, was, and I went all summer and I was out all the time. I was just cast, 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 cast. And went up to the South Tyne. Um, to a place called Alston, I think it was thirty pound a day of fish, and hit it and spit, and there we go into my first salmon on the fly, and it was just. <laughs> What's that impact? Then? It was a, it was a traumatic experience. Let's just say, very dramatic. <laughs> it was yeah. right at the end of the season, but it was just, I was just, it was just swinging it round, and I thought, hmm, I'll never forget it. I was like, is that a rock? And then it just, it just gives you that little pull back and I kind of turned around to my husband and I went I think I've got a salmon he went you haven't he said I've just fished there I said I'm telling you <laughs> yeah. and then off of where it went and I mean I was my mouth went dry my knees were shaking I was like I can't cope I was like just get it in quick <laughs> you can't explain to people who haven't experienced it can you have no a, a no salmon. it is it is I mean it's exciting when I fish for trout and grail and it's exciting but there's I think everybody who fishes has a favourite species. That you have a go-to. I mean, what's yours? Ferox, big trout, big brown trout. I yeah, like. yeah. And when you know when you get a big one on and oh. things like that, it's just even now you must still get that feeling every time. Yeah, and I think it's because they're so few and far between. You don't get lots of them, and yeah, you know, it, it's it's almost like the bad days make the good days so good. When you actually get one in, it's that much more pleasing. Yeah, and if you if you got them every time you went out, you know yourself. It's like yeah. it's 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 not like it's not fishing. Do you know, it's, it it becomes catching, not fishing. Yeah, and I think when you when you work for something, and again, like yourself, when you're studying the river and you're trying to think, right, what colours are working? What food? I mean, for your trout, what what's yeah. on the feed? Do you know what yeah. I mean? You can't just turn up, chuck something. I mean, if you're very very lucky, you can. Was that the end but of the season? Lot, was it? Yeah, that was like literally the end of September. Yeah. I don't mind the. I like the autumn colours. Autumn, especially, is a nice time to be out. And you have a an autumn fish. It's just as nice, you know, just because it haven't yeah. got a silver bar. Yeah. No, no, and it's not. And I think, I mean, I mean, everybody's different. If some, I mean, some people do just prefer to fish for the spring fish. That's fair enough. I mean, I've been fly fishing five years since I caught my first salmon on the fly, and they're all still as equally as precious to me. Yeah. And I think, like, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's, I mean, if it's a back-end fish, and I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a back-end or a spring fish, as long as you handle them fish with care and you get them back as safe as possible, it's still a salmon. It's still a salmon, do you know what I mean? And it's a massive achievement for anybody getting them. Does your partner still fish? He does. He's not, he doesn't go out as much as me. It's, It's me who's got the real kind of bug for it. Um, but yeah, I don't know whether he's, I don't, I don't know. I'm still trying to decide. I don't know whether he is actually good or whether he's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, I don't, I, I say that we do have days out fishing for so many times, depending on what the catches is, what the ratio is. It can get a little bit sensitive at times. Yeah. Um, so do you, have do been you, known to, so you started him fly fishing then, did you? Yeah. Yeah. So he he'd done a little bit on the stills, but he'd never. And I mean, he's I mean he he's just brilliant. It's we kind of 
we come away with similar numbers, but if he fished as much as me, maybe he would catch more. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I've been known to shed a tear or two on the bank when he's had one and then another one, and I'm still studying thinking, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? But it's it's a nice day out when you both go out and catch, but you know that's very unlikely to happen unless yeah. you're hitting the river very right. But yeah. it's good, and it's good to have that kind of couple time together as well. Like I say, we've got a family, and it's what do we do for a night out? Oh, most people go to the cinemas, most people go for a meal, we'll say, let's just go and book a day's fishing somewhere yeah, and it's yeah, kind yeah. of That's just having that chill out time from everything I have vouchers available to spend on my online shop for signed prints plus ghillie kettles and other accessories or for one of my tuition packages plus I'm now taking bookings for my Corrib Farrox days this season basically I've suffered with uh, anxiety and panic attacks from about the age of 23 I am um, I lost all my family at quite a young age and oh. death exposure was something I've seen quite a lot of. Yeah. And whatever's happened there, it started to have a rub off on me and started affecting my mental health and then I started having these panic attacks. I mean, literally to the point where I thought I was going to have to ring an ambulance because I thought I was having a heart attack and dying. And then I kind of started over, over worrying about death and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die and what, what's the feeling of dying going to be like? And just letting my brain run away to a ridiculous level where I was like sleeping through the day. I couldn't connect with the children. And I mean, this is, this has gone on for years. So I did the obvious. I went for counseling and I mean, yeah, I, I got to talk and let quite a few feelings out. And then there was the kind of medication route we went on and I was being on, I can't remember. I remember at one point in my life, I'd been on that many different medications. And I said to my doctor, I said, there has got to be something that's going to stop this. She went, I can't give you anything else. Yeah. She went, I'm literally running out of options for you. So uh, then we, I had a bit of CBT training, which did help. And it, it was definitely controllable. But after again, after a few months, it would just creep back and creep back and creep back. And, and then obviously I started fishing and, what I started to notice is because I started to dedicate so much time into the sport and I was trying to learn so much about it, like you're saying, about about fishing equipment, about fishing techniques, different type of fish. I've got all these things going on in my head. It's and occupying was in the river. Yeah, and then the next thing I thought, and my husband got Jerry's, he says, you've been, like, much better in yourself. He said, I feel like you're actually with us at the moment in, com- like, Anybody who suffers with anxiety, I've always said it's a mental health. I would rather have two broken legs over suffering mental health. It is just the worst because on the outside, you look totally fine. And like, I'm a dead bubbly person. And to look at me, you think, God, like, you would never dream of thinking that I suffered with something like that. Yeah. And then you kind of think, you feel like people think you play on it and stuff like that. But going back to the fishing, I was thinking, do you know what it is? I would come back from the river and think, God, I haven't worried for like, an hour and then next thing I noticed I haven't rude for a couple of hours and what I was doing is by fishing I was distracting my brain so by distracting my brain it was me then knowing to myself saying actually you can control this problem here you're letting the brain control you you need to control your brain and there's proven fact there that by being on that river I have not worried for a two-hour period yeah so I've con- I'm now control I'm controlling the worry time so there is a such thing of having a worry time and by fishing from now, like I say, it's been five years, 
I'm at the first time in my life since the age of 23, I've been nearly a year and a half free of any medication, um, a year and a half free of a panic attack. And I do get mild anxiety sometimes, but I've never, ever been as good as what I am now in the whole time of suffering. Yeah. So it, it, it has something to, it, it speaks for itself. There's something to answer for it there. So I'm a big, I mean, I'm not saying it, it will fix everybody, but it's fixed me. It's it's saved. It's it's not saved my life, but it's given me a much. It, I'm living again. I guess the only time you get anxious now is if if this is going to come off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should they should prescribe even, it. Even, even, you know? then, even yeah, I I think it's definitely something that should be pushed more. And it's like you're saying it. You've got the distraction there for your brain, but it's also kind of like a bit of I would say like meditation time. Um, you know when you're on the river and. It's very peaceful. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's blowing a hoolie and your line's getting in knots and it is frustrating. But you know yourself, you go out on a summer's night, the sun's dropping down, you've got an even evening hatch on, there's deers coming down the river for a drink or there's yeah. a knotter coming up to share the fish with you. And it just, I'm seeing things that I've got, like I've got friends who don't fish and I think you've seen nothing but Coronation Street all your life. I and I say this to my you kind of, I mean, that thing, what you get in there, that's the things that come for free in life. Yeah. And I do believe you kind of connect with nature, and I think that is an, a natural, common thing for the body. Yeah. It's nature at the end of the day, and we're kind of part of nature as well, aren't we? And I think there's, there's got to be something there that creates that soothing kind of calming atmosphere and the water kind of noise, white noise of water flowing in the background. I think there is something with water, some connection there. And you know what, during lockdown, a lot of people struggled during lockdown. I, I loved it, to be honest. All right, I didn't make any money. But I'd be going up the lake, up to Taliban, there's a reservoir here. And uh, I'd be there in the evening, and I'd have the whole place to myself. And I was catching these fish, and I, I could do, like, the cuckoo. And then when I was playing this one fish, I netted it, and it was a, what do you call it, a hedgehog. Just literally standing next to me, watching me fish and watching me play this oh, fish. Oh, amazing. And then, so I, was, I was like talking to this hedgehog. I got a new friend, right? <laughs> and, I, and then behind me then, they were, they were fox cubs. It was three fox cubs playing. No way. And, I thought, I mean, and, and there's other people sitting at home watching Love Island. And I thought, this is what it's all about. You know, I yeah. was well happy. Yeah, that's, uh, like you say, I mean, that that's, that's a special memory there and you'll always remember it. And you it's just the little things in life that come for free that give you that satisfying feeling in life. And you yeah. think, you know, it is, I, I'm, I know now that where the lifestyle I live, where I go out fishing and things like this, I'm kind of re-educating my brain. Thinking, you know, is yeah, I've made the most of my life. I've seen what this world has to offer. And I think that's what you see when you're fishing as well. And I don't know where about the world and things you've been. I mean, I haven't been worldwide massively yet fishing, but it just takes you to some like incredible places and you would yeah. never ever see these places if you weren't fishing. And what's nice about it, I think, it puts you in touch with like-minded people, you know, so you're mixing with people who are, are into the same thing as you and the same mindset as you and that in itself is good, you know, you, you, you're in another community. Definitely, it's its, its, own, it's, its own, own world and since starting fishing, I've made friends now who are probably closer to me than people who are like socialized with before fishing and we share the same interests and you might only meet up a couple of times a year but you, you keep in touch all the time and then you just you ring each other up and 
next thing you know, you're chatting an hour about fishing and it's just, you're sharing that same interest where people who don't fish will just be like, they'd be like, what are you on about? <laughs> I know, they don't get it today. No, and it isn't, it's like you're saying, I mean, we sit and chat now, we could probably chat here for hours about fishing. It just doesn't <laughs> seem to, you don't yeah, seem yeah. to run out of conversation. Yeah. There's always something to talk about. And Have you got into time like, flies? I've tried. <laughs> so um, I started, I bought, the problem I'm finding with it, it's expensive to start. Yeah, yeah. So I went out and I thought, right, I'm going to I'm gonna tie a cascade. I, I looked on YouTube, found a couple of videos. So I went out and bought all the materials for a cascade. So somebody give me advice. Got a pack of hooks. Some, I needed some tinsel for this, tinsel for that. Uh, this thickness thread for that. I need bucktail yellow, bucktail orange. And yeah. I think I spent about 60 quid. And I um, started. Now, I've tied a few. And, they were, and, and the tying part wasn't hard. The part that's hard is the materials. So now I want to move on to tie another fly. I need this, 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 and this. And I'm thinking, yeah. I think the second time I went out, I spent £60. And I was like, oh, my God, this is madness. Yeah. So that's, I'm not going to lie, it put me off. And I think my aim there, what I think would be good for me as well, is to go and sit with somebody one-to-one and do a bit of tying. It's good watching it on YouTube, but you know when you start, where am I going wrong here? Something's going wrong. I mean, YouTube's really good, but I do think when you're in person, you're not going to sit down with somebody or going to a fly tying event. I think that's what I need to spend more of my time on so that I can get more kind of one-to-one sort of hands-on experience of how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to tie my own because I know in my head what I want to fish and sometimes I can't buy what I want to fish. And there's a lot of good fly tires out there now, um, which can oh, supply really flies. Good. And even bespoke ones, if you said, oh, you want an alley shrimp with something else, another tag, you know, so it's it's a lot more accessible now to get what you want. And it's not, that, it's yep. cheaper to actually do it that way, but it's something nice to tie your own, but it is, is it can be expensive, to be honest. Even yeah, that's now. what I found. Find, definitely finding there's a lot of good tires on the, um, out there. And you can usually message them. And uh, there was a guy up in Scotland, a um, guy called Ronnie Fraser, and he does really well with his spring salmon and stuff. Anyway, he's a fantastic fisherman. He, he made a fly called the Ron Kid, and it's a really sparse, nice fly. And I, I, somebody gave me one one day, and I thought, I love that fly. And I thought, do you know what it is? I want one for my river, but my river's a spate river, and it's a very peaty river. So I messaged him. I said, don't suppose you could do me a fly with like that, but with these colours. And he made me them up and they were amazing. And a coat on them. So definitely you can get more bespoke going direct to somebody who's an independent tyre than you can kind of walking into the shop. So have you got any goals for this year? Um, No, like I say, I, I, I am studying for my year, guy. I, I was going to try and push for a May exam, but... I'm not ready. I know I'm not ready. And um, I wouldn't like to set myself up to something I was going to fail in. Yeah. So, and it, just to just to go out and enjoy the fishing. And I keep telling everybody, yeah, I'm coming up there this year. <laughs> I've been telling people this for two years. I'm coming up. And it just seems like I can't fit it all in. There's not enough time for it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, so I'm, got, I'm uh, coming up in April. Uh, Anne Woodcock yeah. has um, tried to arrange a trip. So when I'm up there, I'll definitely have to let you know. We'll have to, you'll have to be my guide for the day. Brilliant! You can guide me on. You can guide me onto the tweed trout because they're fantastic, apparently. 
Do you know what? I, I've only been once when I was a kid. I used to go on holidays to Scotland as a kid. And I went to um, Peebles. And uh, I had a load of trout on the river then that, that day. But there's, um, when you sam, I know some people say, I haven't had one, but when I've been fishing with some people, oh, I've had like three pound trout, four pound trout. I mean, that's, that's cracking, isn't it? <laughs> Jeez, that's phenomenal. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, so if you are up, don't bring your, just your salmon gear. Make sure you bring your trout gear and then you can teach <laughs> me about trout fishing. Absolutely. <laughs> that's yeah. the deal. Before you wrap up, there's one more question which I ask. Where would you want to be to make a last cast? Oh, that has to be one of the most difficult questions you could ask anyone. Um, there's quite a couple of places, but I think if it was kind of on UK soil, it would maybe be the Findhorn because that has to be one of the prettiest places I've fished so far. But there's also on my bucket list, which I'm achieved, hoping to go for my birthday in a couple of years, but I, re- I want to fish it before I go, and that's in Alaska. Oh, and I want it to be in the autumn when I'm kind of fighting the bears off for them. I, I want to see a bear come and try and fight me for a salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I just I watch videos and I just think that is amazing. You've got the salmon jump and the bears are stood literally fishing next to the fishermen. I just I've got to do it. It's got to come off the list. I can imagine so you that, saying to the bear, "Don't even think about it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, so, "Come on, then, <laughs> put them up." <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm afraid sounds... you're a picnic for the fish. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to do it definitely. Yeah. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed the chat. <laughs> definitely, and um, yeah, let me know when we when you're up at the Tweed, and we'll uh, I'll Absolutely. try and get up and we'll have a cast together. Absolutely, look forward to that. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Many thanks, Lucinda. Speak yeah. to you soon. Thank you. Take See you care. later. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a patron. Well, you will get over 100 past episodes and weekly podcasts, plus photography and exclusive content. To join, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones or see the link on my website, castingwithkerryjones.com. Well, that's all for now. Tight lines and don't strike too soon. <laughs>